0: Good morning, Emmanuel Baptist Church. Um, Welcome to Sunday School Saskatchewan Winter Edition. We're stuck at home right now, and so we're going to be uploading this to the site, I believe. Um, The first Sunday School class in our Sunday School on the Christian and Technology. So we're looking at a biblical balance in a tech-obsessed age. We want to know as Christians how to deal with all of the uh, technology at our fingertips. Specifically, the technology at our thumbtips is what this course will be focusing on. Um, Learning how to use your phone well, how to use social media well. The technologies that really give us in our everyday lives some moral dilemmas. Um, But here is a course overview. So today, we're just looking at some Bible roots. So you'll notice the rest of the classes for the course... Um, you know, devices and embodiment, embodiment, the media is the message, social media methods, and interview, um, using the Proverbs for how you speak online and what you take in online. Those things we will be covering, but today we're just looking at some Bible roots on technology per se. So what I mean by that is all of these touch on social media technology, like I said, today we're just looking very specifically or very broadly sorry um, at what the Bible has to say about technology as a whole and since in the times of the writing of the scriptures there was no social media, there was no smartphones, we're going to be looking at technology technology through a broader wider lens to include technologies in the scripture as well and from that we're going to see what God thinks about technology, What should the church think about technology? Should we be afraid of big technology? Uh, Should we use technology? What counts as technology according to uh, the scripture, according to reality, according to what we know about reality? And so today we're just establishing some biblical roots to operate the rest of these messages from. So not tons to do about social media today. So... As we go on, uh, I'd like to point out at the beginning of this class some resources that are very good. They helped me um, kind of get learned on the subject and create this class. Uh, a couple of them I haven't read, but I'll just dive right into them. God, Technology, in the Christian Life by Tony Ranke. This has uh, been very informative for me on how I consider technology and what I now think that God thinks about technology, what the scriptures say about technology, This book, like this first class, has very little to do um, with smartphones. This is mostly about a broader biblical theology of technology. Tony Reinke realized that that didn't really exist in the church. Um, It wasn't talked about much anyway, so he wrote a book on it. Same author. You'll notice there's three books by Tony Renke here today. I think he's written on technology more than any Christian author I could find, and he's one of the guys I feel most comfortable recommending. So, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. Uh, Sort of an obvious title there. Um, 12 Things to Think About When Using Your Phone, Ways That Your Smartphone Is Affecting You In Your Everyday Life, and Competing Spectacles. Uh, This book is on how to find Christ glorious in an age where we're tempted to find our phones more glorious, the internet more glorious, things going on um, around us in this tech age more glorious. The last one I want to recommend, which is a really good resource, is Digital discipleship from the Gospel Coalition. Uh, There's a few authors in this book. This is actually free to download digitally. So if you go to the Gospel Coalition website, uh, you will be able to find, or even if you just type in your Google bar, Digital Discipleship TGC. A link for this will come up and you will be emailed a free digital copy. So I would highly recommend all of these sources. This one is free. Um, Some of these you can read online. Um, Probably all of them, actually. So these are some great resources going into this course if you'd like to study about it on your own time. So here's how we're going to start. What would have been groups this morning, we're just going to think about together. So if after these questions you'd like to talk with your family about this stuff, pause, or even if it just comes to your head immediately, you don't need to pause, there's some questions we're going to start with here to get us kicked off. Try and think of every single item of technology in your house. All of them. What are some of the more obvious technologies in your house? So for me, when I think of some of the more obvious technologies in my house, um, I think of things like smartphones. I think of things like the laptop I'm recording this on. I think of things like my television, my monitor, Uh, bluetooth speakers so these are some of the more obvious technologies in our house what are some of the less obvious technologies in your house this one actually sort of depends on when you grew up for me a less obvious technology in my house is the microwave I don't think of my microwave as technology if I'm honest I just think of it as a given because since I was born they've been there my refrigerator my stove these things are technology, um, and we know they're technology. When you think about it, it's kind of obvious, but, but it doesn't pop into mind immediately. But if you grew up in an era a while, a lot longer ago, these might be more obvious technologies to you, because you might remember a time where everybody didn't have a microwave. So this depends on when you grew up, but, but what about even some of the less, less obvious technologies in your house? So your clothing on your back, that's technology. The drywall on your walls, that's a sort of technology. The frame of your house and all of the nails used to keep your house together, that's technology. The shingles on your roof, that's technology. So for all of us, those might be some really less obvious technologies. And so, what we're going to ask today is what does God think of these things, technology in general? And really, where we're going with these questions, guys, is what is technology? What is technology? Well, to start with a helpful definition from God Technology in the Christian Life, page 14, this is from Tony Renke. He defines technology like this Technology is applied science and amplified power applied science and amplified power excuse me so science we know science is the study of god's creation since the flood well since before the flood but really at the flood god promised a consistent order of creation and so we can study it and we can know things about it we can know that those things will be consistent and not change so we know what it's like when it rains we know what it's like when a thunderstorm happens. We know that the seasons are coming. We know what the animals are like. We know things about God's creation that will stay the same. And when we study that, and when we apply that, that is amplified power. Amplified power. Another way to say that is amplified abilities. So technology is when we take advantage of that knowledge of God's creation and use it to amplify our abilities. So what do I mean by that? Well, here's a few examples. You might be studying God's creation and wonder, hmm, I wonder if that lightning is electricity, and I wonder if it can be harnessed by man. Well, once to skip a few, we have all sorts of electronic devices today. Um, maybe even more simple than that, some of the earliest uh, men on earth, some of Cain's children, they might have thought, hmm, There's a lot of minerals and rocks and metals that God put in the earth. I wonder if we can take that and if we can turn it into tools and knives and instruments and things like that. So they took science and amplified their ability, their power. They studied God's creation and they used that to their advantage. Another example, even way earlier than those things is, hmm, these animals here, they have skin. And I notice as a human, I, I don't have the fur and the thick skin that they have. I wonder if I could use that to create some clothing. So the study of God's creation and taking advantage of what we know about that to amplify our abilities. That's technology. Going back here maybe to the last slide, uh, if I can do that. That's why some of the less obvious technologies we thought of, uh, our drywall, the studs in our house, the shingles, those are still technologies because they fall under this definition. We took what we knew about God's creation and we used it to amplify our ability, our quality of life, things like that. So this is the definition of um, technology that we'll be operating out of in this first course. So, moving on. The Creation Mandate. Here's where I want to begin with our little theology of technology. Uh, I'm not sure if I already mentioned this, guys. So so like I said, today we're just going to visit various key texts in the Scripture, what I think are key texts anyway, and just dance around with the idea of technology in the Scripture, um, get a rounded view of what the Scripture says about it. So Genesis 1, 27-28. Then God said... That's really important. Keep that in your mind. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's look at some of the implications of this verse as far as technology is concerned. So, in God's image, we are many creators Mini creators, we're made to be like our king, like our father, and he's a creator. And so, in his image, we are mini creators. Next implication to subdue the earth is to take advantage of its resources, which is what it means to innovate or to do technology. So, right in the creation man uh, mandate, subdue the earth. Take advantage of what I've put on the earth. Use it for your good. That falls under our definition of technology. Therefore, in the creation mandate, we have God ordering his many creators to do technology. God expects us to use our likeness to himself, so our creativity, to carry this task out. Tech falls under the creation mandate. So that's the first thing I want to point out. In a very broad sense, technology falls under the creation mandate. Man, to some extent, this doesn't get us all the way to iPhones, to be sure, but to some extent, man is commanded by God to do, to create, to innovate technology. So thinking of tech as creation mandate... um, Uh, here's some questions I kind of want to ask to prod us in a particular direction, and hopefully you'll see where I'm going with this. What is the difference between how we create and how God creates? Um, I don't know what you thought of, but I thought whatever we create, it's not out of nothing. Only God can create out of nothing. But when we create, it's only ever with what God gives us. So when God creates out of nothing, when we create only out of the tools that God gives us on this earth. So, should this truth give us peace or optimism about technological advancements? It's very easy in our modern age to see all the crazy things people are doing with technologies. Some are certainly evil and some are seemingly neutral, but even the neutral things, sometimes we're really uncomfortable with how far technology is going. Um... Should we be afraid of that? Should this truth give us peace or optimism about technological advancement? Why or why not? Well, I want to say that this truth can give us a measure of peace and optimism about technological advancements. Of course, we should still be skeptical, always thinking biblically. And um, especially in uh, the later courses that Chris will teach, we're going to get into some of those um, pessimistic things. But just touching on one note, one note of this, think about this, guys. God creates out of nothing. We only create out of the Lego blocks he gives us. That means God knew every single thing that we could ever create with all of the resources he gave us. And there's a very finite limit on that. So, So here's what I mean. God has created everything on earth. God created every mineral, every stone and metal, everything. Is our technological advance unlimited? Should we be afraid of technological advancement? Like, whoa, what if this gets out of hand and exceeds the plan of God and goes outside of his will? Well, we know that it can't do that because God is sovereign. God placed everything here that we have, and this is all we have to make technology out of. Your iPhone, your laptop, your house, all of this is made out of things that God placed on the earth, and the whole earth is like Lego. So it's very easy for us to get overwhelmed and think, oh my goodness, like there's an unlimited amount of things that man can do in the world. When when could this ever end? When will technology ever stop? Well, to us it seems infinite, but to God, it kind of, in God's mind, probably seems like he handed us a, a little tub with maybe 10 or 12 Legos in it and said, make whatever you'd like. See, to us it seems like we can do anything, and that might scare us sometimes when we think of technology, but to God... He knows what he placed on the earth. He knows every single combination of the Lego. He knows every possible thing that could have ever possibly be made out of all of his creation. And that didn't scare him. He's sovereign over that. He knows everything that will be made. He knows everything that could be made. And he very much limited it. So no matter how much we feel like we're unlimited to God in his mind, we are very, very limited and cannot exceed the will of God. So, in this way, the fact that we only create out of what God gives us, um, I believe this should give us a measure of peace and a measure of optimism about technological advancements. Not that every technological advancement is good, but that every technological advancement is within the sovereignty of our God and under uh, His ordaining creation or the, the creation that He has ordained. Next, we're going to look at tech in a fallen world. So, okay, Jordan, we have a definition of technology. We understand that Yahweh has given us um, very certain things that we can make our technologies out of, and that's a very small list to him, and so we're not going to thwart his plan. But what about since the fall has happened now? Now we have um, sinners innovating, you know, sinnovation, (laughs) you might want to call it. We have sinners creating technology. And they can really mess that up and they can even take good things and and mess that up. So where is God in this picture? Well, here's where I think Isaiah 54, 16 to 17 helps us. Behold, God says, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I, God, have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. So what do these verses tell us about God's sovereignty over technology? More specifically, God's sovereignty over when sinners get their hands on technology? Well, here God is saying, look, Israel, panicking that the nations will come against you and destroy my plan for you. I created the Smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon. So remember our broader definition of technology, guys, this weapon made by blowing coals that falls under the definition of technology. That is technology. And this was actually probably some cutting-edge technology, war technology in the Bible times. Um, In Scripture, technology is usually viewed through maybe around three lenses we can think of. One, the city. Um, Two, agriculture things, farming stuff. And three, wartime equipment, weapons. So this was cutting-edge technology at the time, and it's coming against God's people. And it has evil intent. And Yahweh says, look... I created the smith who blows the fire of coals. I created the one who produces the weapon for its purpose. I've even created the ravager to destroy, and he would have been using technology to destroy. And he says, no weapon that is fashioned, no technology um, rising in this world, no cutting-edge war technology, no cutting-edge sinner technology formed against you shall succeed. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. The heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. So, is Yahweh freaked out by Silicon Valley, by all of the technological advancements there that make us uneasy, uh, uneasy, sorry, and that make us think that that we are playing God. And I don't want to. I don't want to undercut the fact that there are some. Awful things going on with technology, but how does God look at those things? Well, He created the people who do this. He created the sinners who would use this technology, who would invent this technology. This technology was in the mind of God before it was in the mind of the sinner. So, Yahweh is totally sovereign over all technology Over the limits of technology, what can be created um, with what he has given us, the building blocks he's given us. Excuse me. And he is even sovereign over when sinners get their hands on technology. So, question. Does this resolve our responsibility with technology? Every time we're talking about God's sovereignty, we have to ask ourselves, where does our responsibility come into play? Well, here's two biblical texts I think can help us here. One, and we're going to contrast these. Um, so Genesis 6.14, God speaking to Noah. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Technology right there. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. Pitch. Remember that. Genesis 11.3, the Tower of Babel. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar mortar so genesis 6 noah noah good guy or bad guy i think we'd all say noah is a good as a good guy he checks out genesis 11 3 um, the tower of babel the guys who created babel good guys or bad guys obviously we would say the scripture points them in a negative light they're bad guys now here's what i want us to notice noah is obeying the will of the Lord. Noah is doing what is right in the eyes of God. And one of the things he's using to do that is a technology called pitch, which is the same thing pretty much in function as a technology called mortar. So what Noah was using to bind together an ark, which the Lord commanded him to make, is the same technology that the people of Babel were using to form a tower. They used pitch or mortar to hold the bricks together. He used it to form an ark in obedience. They used it to bind together bricks in a massive tower and effort of disobedience. Same technology, two different responsible parties, two different intentions. So is man responsible for how they use tech that God is sovereign over Of course, of course. I think this is a great example. Um, I get this example from Tony Ranke's book, God, Technology, and the Christian Life, just to show that the same thing can be used for good or for evil, and it is not the tech that is responsible here, it is the user of the technology, of the innovation, who is responsible for what they do with it. (coughs) Excuse me. Here's a glaring advancel, advan, um, example. Sorry. Here's a glaring example of what we just talked about with Noah and with the people of Babel. Acts four twenty seven to twenty eight. I'll read it and then I'll explain what I mean. For truly, in this city, we're gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. God, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand Yahweh. Had And your plan had predestined to take place. So, in the cross, this is the Apostles' prayer in Acts chapter 4. In the cross, who's accountable for the death of Jesus? Well, the Apostles say, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and other peoples of Israel, the Pharisees, they were responsible for crucifying the Messiah. And they did to him whatever your hand and plan had predestined to take place so who is responsible for the death of jesus herod pontius pilate yes is god responsible for the death of jesus yes now if we consider the technology of the cross refined wood nails craftsmanship um the romans were expert killers a lot of thought and evil technology went into the cross but the cross crucifixes No doubt, they were technology. They were cutting-edge innovation in the ancient world uh, for killing devices. So if we consider the technology of the cross, what what do these verses tell us about God's sovereignty and man's responsibility? Well, the same thing that we've seen with um, Noah and Babel, but even to a greater extent, the cross shows us this. The cross was the most heinous sin in the whole entire world to ever be done, period, and to ever be done with technology. We, we could never sin a worse sin with all of the technology we have today than to kill the Son of God, the Messiah, out of our hatred for Him. And yet, God was sovereign and had a plan and a, predestination, a predestinated purpose for that awful misuse of technology, So, God is totally sovereign, even over the worst use of technology, even over the scariest innovations of technology, so we can have peace in that, and yet, man is still responsible. The guys at the cutting-edge parts of uh, Silicon Valley who are playing God um, in some of the ways that they are, they're totally responsible, and God has a predestinated plan and purpose in what they're doing. Christians can't be afraid of technology and we're going to touch more on that um, a little later God's totally responsible man is totally responsible God has a sovereign purpose man has moral accountability I hope we're driving that point in here with technology tech an awful savior there's three things I want to point out that tech can offer us that we should not go to technology for that can provide false security. Micah five ten to eleven. In that day, declares the Lord, I will cut off your horses from among you and will destroy your chariots. Cutting edge technology of the time, like a Ford F one fifty back then were their chariots. I will cut off your horses from among you and destroy your chariots. And I will cut off the cities. Cities were metropolis of technology. I will cut off your cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. So three examples of technology here. Yahweh is saying, I will destroy all of them. Don't trust in them. Don't find your security in them because I'll destroy them all. I'm Yahweh. I'm sovereign over all of them. They cannot be your security. Micah five ten to 11. So false security. Um, We might be tempted to feel that today in our Western world, in our warm homes, with our communication and our electricity grid provides us a huge sense of um, security. Well, to put our security trust there would be false. False trust. Similar, but um, a little bit different point. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. No matter how innovative we get people, no matter how comfortable we get in the West um, with all of our innovation, some will trust in that. But we, church, have to trust in the name of the Lord our God. It would be a snap of a finger for him to take all of that away from us and throw down our strongholds of comfort. So we must trust in Yahweh. The last thing tech can provide us falsely is false worship. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or a cast metal image. They use technology to make their idols. An abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman. He was like a technologist back in the day and sets it up in secret and all the people shall answer and say, amen. So the thing made by the cutting edge technologists with the cutting edge technology, do not worship it. False worship. We cannot worship our phones, our devices. We must have our attention, our hearts, our everything disposed towards Yahweh. He is our security, in Him we trust, and Him we worship, not technology. There's two extremes when we think about technology in the Christian life that I'd like to talk about also, that the scripture speaks to, I believe. Tech pessimism, total tech pessimism. Technology will destroy us. So there's some people out there who think, oh my goodness, like, I know that God has a plan for the earth, but like I was saying before, what if if technology gets so advanced that it exceeds that and destroys us and just takes away the whole human race? And what if, you know, there's uh, the, the, uh, the singularity and AI and robots come and destroy us? Or what if we get uploaded to... So this is total tech pessimism. Technology will destroy us. Why is this biblically unbalanced? Well, the scripture tells us the Lord is our fear, And our dread. Him alone you shall hallow. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. That's Isaiah 8 13. So, Yahweh needs to be our dread. Yahweh is sovereign. All of this we've seen. We can't be afraid of the technology and the guys in Silicon Valley. Um, By the way, just to define that, Silicon Valley is just a place in California where cutting edge technology is being developed. I realize until now I've taken that word for granted. Uh, Some of you will know what I mean by Silicon Valley. Some of you just learned. Silicon Valley is just a place where there's a lot of tech innovation, a cutting edge in the world of it. So, back to my point, sorry. We can't be afraid of that in the same way that we're afraid of Yahweh. We can be skeptical of that. We can have a voice to it as the church. um, But we are not to be afraid of it. We are not to consider it our dread and what will ultimately... um, judge us or have power over us yahweh is our fear and our dread another extreme is tech optimism this one's maybe a little easier to fall into today just subconsciously tech will save us technology will give us more comfort if only we can have better technology we can create a utopia man will not have to work man will be um, independent of a job man will just be able to thrive and live and there will be a a tech utopia maybe we can extend our life a whole bunch maybe we can upload our consciousness into a, a robot and live forever so and i'm serious guys there's some guys who think that this is eventually going to happen and that is tech optimism over tech optimism that's an extreme as well because we know from revelation 7 10 salvation belongs to our god and to the lamb on the throne we cannot look to technology um, as our optimistic savior we can't look to technology to give us one day a kingdom and, and and longer life yahweh gives us eternal life through the lamb jesus christ two examples two extremes question every time you look at two extremes both extremes make technology ultimate That's why they're wrong. It's not that we can't ever be pessimistic about technology. It's not that we can't ever be optimistic about technology. But these are two extremes that make tech ultimate. And what do we know from the scripture? God and the Lamb are ultimate. So, two extremes. Question, what is the Christian balance? How should Christians view tech, the future of tech, well, we've been seeing that so far, but in regards to these questions, let's look at some more scripture. Two examples here um, that we're going to look at to continue fleshing out of balance. The tale of two cities. So we're going to look at Babylon, and then next we're going to look at Zion, the city of God. Let's first start with Babylon. So, Revelation 18, verses 9 to 13. The great evil city Babylon... Um, who God is throwing down here. Tech has become her savior. Her fortified walls are her savior. She is drunk with uh, idolatry, harlotry, the blood of the saints. And so let's see what it says. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see her smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of the torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon. For in a single hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys her cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. What are all the technologies we see here? Well, just a few examples. Articles of ivory. That is technology. Um, We've already talked about silk and scarlet cloth and clothing. Excuse me. That counts as technology. Costly wood, bronze, iron and marble. This is all technology. Um, uh, Babylon's chariots. So, you put your trust in these things, Babylon and the Lord in an instant is going to make your mighty city fall and the kings of the earth will mourn because no longer can they idolize and trust in technology with you, Babylon. Why was this Babylon's fate? Because her trust was in these things, um, because she was awfully immoral. Her fate and um, the product of her fate goes beyond technology, but for our purposes today, we're just considering this. In a single hour, all of these technologies all of the idolization of these technologies, all of the kings who buy these technologies, cast down and fallen. So this is what happens when tech is made savior. Now again, we're still developing a biblical balance here. There's a good way to look at this too. It's not all, it's not all sad, everybody. Zion. From Isaiah 60, verse 9 and verse 11. In Isaiah 60, we're going to look at the city of Zion, how God redeems technology here. For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships ships are technology, those are a vehicle. The ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver, their gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God, and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Your gates, that's technology, that's a city, that implies a city, and cities are technology, booming technology. Your gates shall be open continually, Day and night, and they shall not be shut, that the people may bring to you Zion the wealth of the nations, with their kings in procession. Now, this term wealth of the nations today we think of that as trillions of dollars of wealth and debt and um, financial exchange like that, and well, that's certainly present here really how people in that time considered the wealth of the nations was through the scope of quality of life, prosperity, clothing, architecture, all things having to do with our definition of technology. So what's Yahweh saying here? The ships of Tarshish, they're going to use technology to bring you silver and gold and technology and your gates will be open continually. You'll be a city and you'll be open to everyone who will come and the, the people that may bring you the wealth of the nations, the technology of the nations, the um, quality of life advancements of the nations with their kings led in procession. This is coming to Zion. God is redeeming uh, the the technology, especially the good technology that we've made for the well-being of man. Yahweh is redeeming that and bringing this into His holy city, Zion, into His holy city, New Jerusalem. Revelation 21 says that um, the kings of the earth brought their glory into New Jerusalem. And while there's a lot of things going on there, one of the things that's for sure going on there is a redemption of technology. So what technologies do you see in this verse? We've answered that. How is God using them? He's redeeming them and bringing into his city. And here's what I want to emphasize. God is not making all new things. He doesn't have to can our technological innovations and start again. He's making all things new. Jesus says in Revelation, Behold, I make all things new. He's not not starting from scratch. He's redeeming. He's making new our technology. He's redeeming it. Here's a very good example of that, a very good practical example of that, Isaiah 2, 4. And here's where we're getting towards the Christian balance where we can have optimism. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So, what is he saying here? Well, I don't know about you guys. I actually had to look up what plowshares and pruning hooks were. I knew they had something to do with farming. I didn't know specifically. So, Yahweh is saying that their swords, their war technology meant to kill in my kingdom when Yahweh comes to judge the nations, when Christ returns... Their swords will be redeemed and beaten into plowshares, farming tools to cultivate the new heavens and the new earth. And their spears, again, their war technology, into pruning hooks. So is he doing away with them? Are they going to dissolve into a thin mist and never be seen again? No, they're going to be redeemed into usable, peaceable, redemptive, good technology. A nation no longer will lift up sword against nation. Technology will no longer be used to kill, and we will learn war no more in the future kingdom. All of our technology will be redeemed for um, re- productive, productive good things. So what does God do with our technology here? He makes it new. He redeems it. He doesn't get rid of it. Tech was God's idea and will be redeemed totally by Christ, Colossians one twenty. Um, Here's an important note to consider. The biblical story begins with a garden and ends with a city. So we, we start with Eden, and then in Revelation 21, we end with a new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, a city. Now, between a garden and a city, there's a big jump of technological advancement. So the whole Bible story has to do with redeeming and creating technology. Begins with a garden, ends with a city. Lots of technology on the way. This was God's idea. And every way we get tech wrong along the way, God will redeem. We've seen that here. So, how do we live out this process today? Us. Between worlds. Well, here's some biblical principles. So so first, before we get into these biblical principles, I'd just like to recap here. So we've seen... That tech was God's idea from the creation mandate. We've seen that um, there's good ways to use tech, poor ways to use techs, uh tech, sorry, and that God is sovereign over all of that. We are very limited in what we can do with technology, even if we feel like we are way more powerful than we ought to be. In God's mind, he put the Lego blocks here. We are really, really constrained with what we can do with technology. He's sovereign over all of it. He's sovereign indirectly over all of the ways people sin with it. And yet, we are responsible for how we use technology. And we also have learned that technology, especially going from a garden to a city, in God's economy, and God's plan, is is ingrained in God's plan for the world. And he's going to redeem the broken ways that we have used technology, not destroy it. So in between worlds, after the fall, but before Zion, here are some biblical texts to dwell on, maybe to memorize, um, to put by your smart TV, things like that. 1 Timothy 4, 4-5. to For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving and prayer. With thanksgiving, sorry, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So... We are to be thankful for our tech. We're for medical tech, for housing tech, for antibiotics, for homes, for even television people. We can be thankful for our smartphone. And it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Is it made holy by scrolling or binging Netflix? No, but it is made holy by thankful, praying, and the word of God using these things thankfully and responsibly. So don't be a total tech pessimist. Colossians 3.17 Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, and I'm sure you guys already are in your hearts finishing at least a paraphrase of this verse. Whatever you do with thanksgiving, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So however we use technology, we need to make sure that we can confidently do this in the name of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful all things are lawful to me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Is it lawful that we use laptops, phones, televisions? Yep. Lawful. Paul says that is lawful for me. Not helpful always. So can our technology be a tool or is it dominating us? I'm going to admit I've been dominated by technology before. I have at times had to seriously reassess my smartphone use, my television use, um, any use of technology. So Yes, tech is lawful for us, but we cannot be dominated by it, and we cannot become a slave to it. We are its masters. We are over it in the creation mandate, and it is subdued to us, not us to it. Lastly, Ephesians 515 to 16 Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil amen people redeem the time with your technology that can't be done with scrolling um that can't be done with social media for hours a day but we can redeem how we use it we can be wise with our technology we need to be aware that the days are evil now in all of these applications here these scriptural applications i just went over i really focused on the social media use of technology which is exactly where this course is going um Next week, Chris is going to kick us off with uh, some more courses, and those are going to be very much focused on media, smartphones, things like that. But what I hopefully successfully did in this first class was give us um, a biblically-rooted view of technology per se, how we ought to feel about technology. This certainly isn't conclusive, but I hope that it helps. And I'd just like to end on two quotes here from two amazing books um, that show us... uh, Our hearts need to be right. Remember your heart. So we have a great theology of technology that we just developed. We know what the scripture says about it. Is it enough to just know how the scripture wants us to view technology? No. First quote. Being a disciple of Jesus is not a primary matter of of getting the right ideas, the right theology of technology and then doctrines into your head. Rather, it's a matter of being the kind of person who loves rightly Jamie Smith, Desiring the Kingdom, page 32. We can't just have a good theology of tech. We need to love rightly. We have to have it in the right place on our, on our scale and hierarchy of desires and longings. Love God. This is the first and greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second quote, if we would have our creation, our technology, our innovation, if we would have that be true, beautiful and good, we have to attend to our hearts. Fred Brooks, the computer scientist, is Toolsmith, page 68. So, as you go today, people, remember your hearts. um, Remember that there is a proper use, and a thanksgiving we ought to have to God for these things. He is sovereign over all of it. We are stewards over it, um, and God bless you as you go. Thank you.